Hey, this is Will Aremus. And when I'm not guest hosting Post Reports, I'm a tech reporter here at The Post. One of the fun things about guest hosting is I get to talk to some of my colleagues about what they're working on. My name is Heather Kelly. I'm a technology reporter here with you at The Washington Post, but I'm also a parent. Um, Who am I? You're my mom. I am? How long have I been your mom? Nine years. That's a long time. It's been pretty cool, huh? So can you tell me a little bit about what kind of adventures you go on? Are you allowed to walk around by yourself? I'm allowed to walk to my friend's house, and he lives a couple blocks away. I am sometimes go to the park and go to the library. So my oldest child is nine years old. He's going to fourth grade and he's spending a summer exploring the neighborhood, going to friends' houses by himself and just exploring this newfound independence. Are you afraid of anything when you're out in the city? Um, I'm scared of people trying to kidnap me. Yeah? Yes. Do you think that happens a lot? No. What do you think I'm most scared of? I don't know. Cars probably, when I think about it. Parenting can be stressful, and ensuring your kid's safety is hard, especially in those tween years when you aren't quite ready just to give them a smartphone and open up the whole can of worms that is social media, but you do kind of want to be able to know what they're up to. But Heather had an idea. And I asked him how it would feel if I put a tracker on him and if I could see where he was at any given time. How would that make you feel? Would you want to would you want to have a tracker, like, on your bracelet or in a backpack? In a backpack. Because if it's too loose and it comes off, it might get lost. So. You're comfortable with mom and papa always kind of being able to follow you from our phones? Yeah. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. It's Friday, July 28th. Today on the show, we'll hear the pros and cons of using tracking devices, like Apple AirTags, as a parenting tool. So you and I know what an Apple AirTag is, but for the uninitiated, what is it exactly? So an AirTag is this relatively new, I think it came out in 2021, device from Apple. It's a small disk. It doesn't have its own cellular service. There's no screen. And all it does is beam its location to nearby iPhones and iPads so that you can see where stuff is. It was designed especially for things like keys or wallets, maybe even cars and some bikes. But not kids. It was very specifically not designed for kids. Apple has been very vocal multiple times saying, please do not use this on people, specifically children, and not on pets. Do you remember how you first came across the idea that people were using or could use these to track their kids? I I have to be honest. It was my first thought when Apple said, please do not use this on children or pets. (laughs) Because I thought, well, that's kind of the ideal use case. Like, why wouldn't you put this on your dog or your small child? And I think a lot of parents had the exact same thought of like, you have to say that, perhaps for legal reasons, but we know that is actually a pretty cool use case. This is a great parenting quality, the ability to see, like, don't do that and immediately think somebody's going to do that. (laughs) All right. So when did you find out that people were actually doing this? Well, so I'm in a bunch of parenting groups on Facebook, but actually this came up because, you know, this is funny. One of my son's friends was hanging out with me and I got that notification on my phone of an AirTag is following you which is an anti-stalking feature Apple has added to the device so that you can't just stalk somebody with one. 
And I asked my son's friend, I'm like, oh, do you have an AirTag? He's like, oh yeah, my mom put one in my backpack. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I started asking around and tons of kids at school do this. I will add the caveat that I live in San Francisco. So parents' use of technology here is not always indicative of what other parents do in the United States. But when I asked around, it did seem to be pretty common. Yeah, that's amazing. So I I have an eight-year-old and we live in Delaware and I've not heard of anyone doing this. So I think as with many things, Silicon Valley and San Francisco are probably a uh, harbinger of what's to come for the rest of us. So Heather, you did us the favor of recording a conversation that you had with your son about these devices. I just want to play one of my favorite parts of that conversation. How do you think my parents knew where I was when I was a kid? I don't know. They just didn't. (gasps) What? Yeah, we were just like out there roaming the streets, drinking out of hoses and stuff. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my wife and I talk about this. I mean, we we were like much more free at age eight than our kid is. Like I used to go down to the cul-de-sac and, you know, play baseball or bicycle soccer, which I highly do not recommend, by the way, for anyone thinking of trying that, um, until sundown, and then it would be time to go home. And that's like, is that a thing anymore? It's funny. It's actually a meme right now, maybe if you're on TikTok or other social media, where Gen Xers share horrifying tales from their childhood of like, you wouldn't believe how neglected I was. And I played at a construction site until 9 p.m. And and I, I think there's a part of horror in there of like, boy, our parents really were not paying much attention. And also a little bit of nostalgia of we were free. We were having a great time, especially during the summer. And it was just peak childhood. So what do you think changed? Like, wh- why is that not as common anymore? So I talked to a bunch of experts about this because I also didn't know. And one of them was Dr. Peter Gray. And he he investigates childhood and how it's changed over the years. And he pointed specifically to the Reagan administration It was sort of this moment when parenting changed. There's a larger divide between parents who have money and parents who are lower income. It used to be you didn't really care too much if your kid went to college. You knew they were going to be okay. It was much easier to grow up and have a comfortable middle-class lifestyle. And all of a sudden, there was a lot more fear and a desire to control their time and plan for their future. And so you spend their childhoods basically building a resume for college, making sure they're successful. And another part was generalized fear of strangers, like stranger danger. You remember that? Like, you know, the milk cartons always had missing kids on them and parents were really scared of kidnapping and us being just snatched up off the streets. And a lot of that played out on local news at night. It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? And so there was just multiple kinds of fear that came together at once. And the solution for a lot of parents was to have more control over their kids to try and keep them safe and secure their futures. Now I'm actually curious, did there used to be more kidnappings, like random kidnappings of kids by strangers? Do you know? How they measured it has changed over the years, but experts generally agree that it was never as big of an issue as it seemed, and it's definitely not as big of an issue as it seems now. I talked to somebody at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and he said, true stranger kidnappings, abductions, were, I think, under 20 last year. There was under 20 of them in the United States. In the whole country. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to think about risks, that's way down the list. It's below cars. It's below suicides for kids in these age range. Like, it's not really one of the biggest concerns. Wow. So, yeah. So, like, maybe our kids' mental health is actually a bigger concern than their physical safety. But why are people using these tracking devices today, then? 
So I think there's a lot of awareness among parents of the dangers of smartphones, specifically social media, which you know the government and experts have, they don't have that much information on yet, but they're not really comfortable with what they know. So you see a lot of studies saying that it's bad for our children. And so the instinct of a lot of parents is, well, I don't want to give them a phone. I don't want to give them access to the internet yet. They're too young. But I can't just not have anything. And so this is a relatively low-tech way to keep track of them and still protect them maybe a little bit from what's in the real world, but it's also protecting them from what's online. They want them to go outside instead of being on computers. And they want them to have a tracking device instead of a portal to the horrors of the internet. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what are the other alternatives? I mean, there's not like... There's not payphones anymore if a kid is lost. I guess they could ask an adult to use their cell phone and call you. What else is there? I am obsessed with the lack of payphones. It's something I didn't think about until I started reporting this out and somebody pointed it out. Like, what will your kid do? How will they contact you? There are some lower tech options. And honestly, I may have been swayed into doing one of these, but a flip phone, or also called a feature phone, a phone that mm. doesn't have access to the internet. A dumb um, phone. A dumb phone, if you will. And you leave it, you know, by the front door. And if your kid's going out, it's a family phone. They can grab it and take it with them. And there's also this other category of technology that's not quite a phone, but it's more advanced than just tracking. And it's things like the Apple Watch or these other wearable devices. But those do have communication on them. They can be a distraction. They're more expensive. They have monthly fees. And when it comes to money, and kids of this age, like, how much do you trust them with an Apple Watch in the world? Is that going to come home with them today? Is the screen going to be intact? So it's also part of the age range of, like, what you're willing to trust them with. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is like my tech writer brain of how tech changes us. But I was taking my kid to an amusement park, and he was wandering off with his friend to get I don't know, Dippin' Dots or something. And I was like, you know, I've never thought about like, where's the meetup point? Like when I was a kid, we used to always have like, what's the backup plan? Is this a symptom of like how we're using technology to do stuff that we used to use our brains for? There's a lot of stuff like that. I think if I take my kids to like these big public places, we pick a point when we go in. Like I think mostly that's still a good practice. You tell them how to find somebody who works there, go to a mom if you're lost. But I think they're not really building the same navigation skills even. I, one parent I talked to said, kids are built different. You know, if I dropped off in the middle of nowhere, she would never find her way home, and I could. And I was thinking, well, you've got to let her get lost to learn how to get found again. And that's, that's something that a lot of parents are kind of depriving kids of when they try and keep close track of them, is they're not allowed to be lost. They're not allowed to fail in the world or explore. Yeah, there's something like futuristic and not in a good way about the idea that from such a young age now, we're all being tracked, even if it's for our own good, by our own parents, with this relatively low-tech solution. Like, maybe kids should be able to get lost sometimes. Did you talk to experts about the pros and cons of that? So I talked to a couple experts on this. One person I spoke to is named Lenore Skenazy, and she's in charge of a group called Free Range Kids. We're just trying to give that freedom back to the kids because when you do, they have to pay attention. We want kids who are brave, yeah. Yeah. who are solve their problems. They can't solve their problems if we're always there solving them. That's a good point. Skenazy, thank you so much for being with us. And they really advocate for letting kids wander and have space and, you know, be separated from their parents more, much like we were when we were kids. And one of her big concerns is that you never learn to build trust between parents and children if there's always tracking, 
there's this vital part of your relationship that you're never going to work on because there's never a question of like, can I trust you to go out and do what you say you're going to do to be where you say you're going to be? And kids are missing out on this and it might impact them down the line. And another expert I spoke to was actually worried that all of the surveillance of children, of constantly filling their time and tracking them, is going to have a damaging effect on their mental health. That is one of his concerns he's looking into. But as you said, the AirTags are actually a lower tech solution than the phone, right? And at least it's not something that your kid's going to be having their nose down in throughout the day. Yeah, I think they quickly even forget that they're there. And for some parents who are also trying to raise kids in this weirdly helicopter parenting society where strangers are also policing what you do, maybe calling Child Protective Services if they see a kid walking around alone that they decide shouldn't be allowed to do that. So it's not just that we're helicoptering over our own kids. It's also that other parents are helicoptering over each other. There have been a number of cases, they're sort of high profile in the news, where parents have made a decision to let their own children be outside alone. And strangers have decided that, oh, that's unsafe. And they've called the police, called Child Protective Services. And it's just this new fear to add on to all the other fears we have of what could possibly happen to our kids. And this one is, well, strangers are judging me. Strangers are really worried about safety of kids they don't know that they have nothing to do with. So some parents, they're adding that to the list of fears that they have. Let's be honest, though, like knowing your child's location with an air tag isn't going to protect them from anything at all. I mean, it's a peace of mind. It helps you coordinate and see when they're coming home. But knowing their location, in most cases, will only be helpful after something happens. So this idea that it can actually help you prevent disaster or harm to your child, it doesn't really hold water. After the break, we'll dive into how these devices actually work and how Heather's experiment went with her son. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Heather, how do the AirTags actually work? Like, Are they different from tracking your kid with a phone? So AirTags are fascinating. It's not entirely a new technology. So there used to be something called a tile, which was very popular. And it uses a similar technology. But what makes AirTags so powerful is that every Apple device helps AirTags share their location. So what that means is in dense areas, these things are actually pretty accurate. They're not real-time like an iPhone or an Apple Watch would be. But, you know, within 10 minutes, you can see a most recent location. It does mean in places where there are fewer people, they're not always going to be as accurate. If you live in a rural area and your child is in the middle of a field and there's nobody nearby with a MacBook Pro or an iPhone, it's not going to work that well. Now this is clicking for me with some of the other products that Apple's been releasing lately. They're marketing their Apple Watch explicitly as something that will like save your life. It's really interesting. And I think I mean, there might be some of these on Samsung or Android devices. But in the past couple of years, we've seen a big focus in the tech industry on marketing fear. 
on finding out what people are afraid of and making features that can help them in those situations. And I, I don't want to be completely cynical. You know, Apple has an SOS feature on new iPhones that has actually helped a lot of people. It has crash detection. It has fall detection. Like, they can be effective, but to be effective for their bottom line, they need people to be more afraid and to buy a lot more of these devices. Just like imagine an Apple Watch tracking your heart and you spend all your time wondering if it's going to detect an early heart attack or some other health issue. The latest round of technology features are all based on fear. Right. And of course, there's like ring cameras and all sorts of high-tech surveillance gadgets that are being marketed on fear. But are there other devices that are being marketed specifically for kids? You said AirTags are not, but are there others that are out there that are saying, yes, put these things on your kid and, and track them around everywhere? There are. There is something called, I believe, a Joybit, which is similar to an AirTag. There are some GPS devices for kids. The difference is they all have their own cellular connections. So they are going to have a more real-time location for you if you're looking for your kids, which is better. If you're really using this and you're serious about it, you do want a more accurate recent location. But you're also going to pay a monthly fee for cell service. They're more expensive to begin with. There's also a bunch of smartwatches and even feature phones specifically designed for kids that you pre-program in the contacts for so they can't talk to just anybody. They have location on them so you can see them. And they're really meant for children who are, I guess, on the younger side. I've heard stories of kids being really embarrassed to have these as they get older and they become a tween or a teen. They don't want like the kid's smartwatch, which is called a gizmo watch. It's one of the most popular ones. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine getting bullied for having the kitty smartwatch. I mean, it certainly has to happen. I'm sure kids take them off and put them in their bag and hide them. They just want phones. And so as they get older, you have to navigate a lot more issues. But for this age range, which is basically elementary school to early middle school, you just want the basics and peace of mind. And naturally, the tech industry is like, we will sell you something for that. We took away all the pay phones, but look, you can pay $14 a month for a watch that they can call you on instead. Right. And what price can you put on peace of mind in the end? But now I'm curious, Heather, what happened with your son? Was he open to having an AirTag follow him around everywhere? Would you let me put it on like a wristband for you? Would you wear it like that? Yeah. How would that make you feel? Would it be weird for me to always know? No. He was really excited to help me out and be part of a project. What I did is I took three different AirTags and an Apple Watch that I borrowed from a colleague and I just shoved it all in his bag. <laughs> and I bought a little wristband for him that's designed specifically to hold an air tag, and it's rainbow and cute. And I put that on him. And then throughout the day, I would periodically check his location. And he's at a city camp, and they went on a field trip. So I could see them traveling across San Francisco, which was very cool. There was like a five to 15 minute delay on the latest locations. So if I needed to go find him immediately, it wouldn't really have been effective. But I could see where he was. And when he came home, he'd completely forgotten that I was conducting an experiment on him, and he handed them back to me, and he just could not care less at all about being tracked. I've talked to teenagers, too, and they're so used to this because we do it from when they're very young, and then when we give them their first smartphone, we turn on tracking, and they've grown up with it, and it's like a way of life for them, which is, you know, it's a little wild to us because we care really about privacy and independence. And for them, it's just the norm. And so I I haven't decided what I'm going to do with him. I really want him to be free. And I think a lot of it comes back to parents accepting that 
Yeah, bad things can happen. We can't control everything. And we just have to let go a little. So I think I might get a flip phone and leave it by the front door if he wants to take it with him to feel safe instead of putting an air tag on him. Heather Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, anytime. I'm always happy to use my kids for journalism. Heather Kelly is a technology reporter at The Post. And that's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis, edited by Maggie Penman, and mixed by Sam Baer. Thanks to Yunhee Kim. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Elahe Izadi, Monica Campbell, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Svernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. Our intern is Tanya Chavla. I'm Will Aremus. Thank you so much for having me as your guest host. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.